0: My friend Cynthia Recty has a new novel available now, Facing the Dawn from Ravel, a division of the Baker Publishing Group. It's a story that invites readers to walk alongside characters facing some of the most wearying or harshest moments in life, the hardest losses we can bear, but with Cynthia's signature tender touch and ever-present hope. If you appreciate contemporary fiction that doesn't skirt around the real challenges of life, but faces them head on, don't miss her latest, Facing the Dawn, wherever books are sold. mountain creek mystery novelist and veteran homeschool mom, Elizabeth Truett noticed mothers and daughters reading the classic Nancy Drew series together. She searched for an accompanying unit study and not finding one, she wrote one herself. How fun is that? Sluice and Secret is written for third to eighth graders. Discussion questions, research topics, writing prompts, and vocabulary words are covered each week. Unit one is to be used with the first five Nancy Drew volumes. You can find them on Amazon.com by searching Elizabeth Truitt. That's Elizabeth with a Z. And Truitt is T-R-U-I-E-T-T. Also, you can see the book trailer for Carolina Key on YouTube. All these links can be found at walkitoutpodcast.com. And now let's have a chat with Sherry Rose Shepherd.
1: You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to to heart-to-heart chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, friends, today on Walk It Out, we're going to be talking to Sherry Rose Shepherd about her
0: new book, Beyond the White Picket Fence. I'm sure you've heard of Sherry Rose, but let me just tell you her bio anyway. For the past 30 years, Sherry Rose Shepherd has been in full-time ministry as a best-selling author, speaker to tens of thousands each year, and the founder of His Princess Ministries. Her latest book, like I mentioned, is Beyond the White Picket Fence. So welcome,
2: Sherry Rose. Yay. And you know, the second, the byline is what the book's
0: really about, what to do when your life is dismantled. And I think that applies to pretty much everyone these days, it seems like, <laughs> yeah. and some to greater degrees than others. But I think all of us are kind of feeling like our Dismant. lives have been dismantled. Yeah. <laughs>
2: it is, um, when I was writing this book, obviously, God saw what was going to be coming because I wrote it a year and a half ago and uh, just finished it off about six months ago. But he saw
0: what was coming before it came out. I thought, wow, the timing on this book went well. And I think so many people need the hope that you have, because it's easy to you know just get bogged down on all those things. And you say, you know, your life was completely undone in so many ways. And I think oh, wow. many of us yeah. feel that. So just I know a lot of people have heard your story, but what were the some of the things that did come yeah. undone in these seasons?
2: Just so you know, you're one of the first people that are hearing my story in the last four years. Mm. Uh, A lot of people have heard my testimony, like being raised Jewish, becoming a Christian, Jewish family disowned me. And 10 years later, they got saved and I held my faith. And they know that part of my story, how I was 60 pounds overweight, became Mrs. America later in life and those kind of stories. But the story that I've walked through, I've been pretty private the last four years. I walked through a, a personal job experience. From everything down to uh, cancer tumors all over my body that look mm. like the boils of Job to my marriage falling apart while I was in my darkest hour. My kids were dismantled and we were best friends. And I think it was so precious um, of God to hold on to them. They're walking strong with God. But, you know, I'm their best friend. They're my best friends. I'm very close. I homeschooled them and it dismantled them to see their mama you know, that sick. And they, I was given an eight week death sentence from a doctor five years ago um, that I had eight weeks at the most. And so it was, um, and then we had some severe betrayals within uh, people taking advantage where I was sick, stealing money oh free and doing some other horrible things. So it was like, while I was weak, people that I thought were loyal and faithful that worked in our ministry were taking things. And it was really interesting to, see it. And I'm not going to lie. There was just a time where I was like, God, just do take me home because I've served you for over 25 years of ministry, almost 30 years now. But and but at that time, it was 25 years. It's been five years now. And I said, you know, I have my best-selling books. I've spoke all over the world. I've left my legacy. I know my kids will serve you. And I just remember just saying, Lord, I'm I'm ready to go home because I've lost everything. I love everything. I know I, I couldn't find my place um, because I was used to being a speaker and an author and a mom and a homeschool mom and, you know, everything. And so to have it all go away at once. And then my mom who I, I, I have one of the chapters in the book on this, but who I didn't know growing up. So it's like a stranger to me had um, been diagnosed with cancer and broke her hip and had nowhere to go. And so um, I'm just getting to know her in the last four years. I let her move in with me and I had a, I have a little apartment that one of my readers put me in um, and that's Darling by a Beach. And I just remember going, wow, Lord, this is upside down. And my parents are divorced. They have been for 40 years. And they asked me what I could, what they could do. And I said, I need you to love each other and be a family. I know you're Mm. divorced, broken in years, but you're all I have left of the wreckage and the dismantling. And then what was interesting is um, I didn't think I'd ever get my fight back. You know, I didn't see how because I didn't have the support of family around me to get the fight back. And I was living with a stranger that was my birth mother. So it was, it was very, very lonely and dark. And um, the apartment that this precious family put me in, I've been here now for four years on the beach. I don't know anybody from this area. So I had to relocate. Um, they just wanted me to get healed and mm-hmm. wanted me to a place like by an ocean that I could be healed. Mm-hmm. And it was the darkest, loneliest, um, put your life on pause, painful, physical sickness. I've always eaten organic and Taking care of myself ever since I lost that original weight. And it was just definitely one of those people were always saying to me that have known me for years and saying, you're going to get through this. It's a Job moment and Satan hates you. And it was right when his princess hit 1 million sold. yeah, And then his princess bride hit the book of the year. And I went, Oh man, the devil hates me. And I was just getting hundreds of emails of people saying how the book had stopped suicides, had changed their life, and let them know God loves them. And it was being put in human trafficking places. And then it went into 32 languages within that battle time, within that four years of hell. For myself personally, that book came out in 32 languages. Isn't that wow. interesting? And it just kept going and going. And I kept getting these beautiful emails. I was in so much personal pain. I couldn't feel the joy mm-hmm. of to touching anybody in the moment. It was good for me in one area. I never could, because I've been through so much prior to that four-year job, that I could not relate to that feeling of, why can you not come out of this? I've come out of so much. I never said that to people, and but I remember thinking, wait, you can overcome this. And I'm realizing that there is a place that can become so painful, whether it's an unexpected death of a child, whether it's an unexpected dreaded disease, a, you know your whole world's wiped out, you know, dismantled. There is a place that in a season you feel like David in the Psalms, like how many more tears, how much longer, like, how can I, you know, you can't see a way out.
0: Yeah. And I wrote those notes because I put in, let's talk about survival mode, because I think we can almost feel guilty as a Christian when we feel like I'm barely surviving here. So yeah, it, it's that survival mode. We've adopted seven kids, lots of traumas. There's times that they brought anger in our home. Oh yeah. Um, pain in our home. And I thought this is I, I always would, cause I'm, I write lots of books. I do lots of things. I, I always think like I could push through. I can always, no matter what deadline I'm going to make it. I got to the point where like, I can't even open my computer. I can't even think it's like right. the survival it. mode. So t- let's yeah. talk about that. Cause I think a lot of people are almost shocked to get there um, because they think, like you said, I've served God, I've done all these things. Like, why am I at this point?
2: Well, I think when a lifeguard is drowning, they're not going to, they can't even save someone else mm-hmm. when they're, mm-hmm. And I think even if they're the best swimmer you can imagine because they can save people out of the ocean, right? Um, Like if it's a beach lifeguard, but they know that when they are in a freezing cold water, let's say they fell in the water in a place of the Arctic, right? And they could drown. They know to float on their back in survival mode and to to not try to swim or they will drown because there's very limited energy left in their body when they're in that kind of ice cold, right? Yeah. So I think that that we can look at we need to look at survival mode as a gift. Thank God we have that mode, that mode at all. And I think that many times we do not give ourselves what I call freak out grace,
1: mm-hmm.
2: where there every person will have a moment. You if you read the Psalms, I, I really parked in the book of Job and Psalms mm-hmm. and I had to have it read to me through that app that reads it to you because I didn't even have the strength to read yeah you know i didn't even want to see a scripture i did not want to hear one more sermon i did not want to do i could not play worship um and i mean i really it was crazy i was like man i feel like i have been like cuz we had a really horrible portrayal from a worship leader so it was just there were so many it, it was like um well, ironically for me in survival mode, I had just got done speaking at the Christian counselors and psychiatry association. I was one of their keynote speakers and they um, had paid me quite a bit and I felt led to give them back the money. And I said, save this for someone that doesn't have the money to get psychological help when they're really in a crisis. And they had called me back a few months after I left that booking and speaking of survival mode and I and I had just been hit with seven crises at the same time. Mm. And they were calling me back to say, We want to book you again. You got such good reviews. And I couldn't talk. I literally I think I shut down. And they were going, Sherry, Sherry, are you there? I said I can't feel. I Mm -hmm. can't, uh, and they're going, oh my goodness, honey, tell me what's going on. So she goes, you know what? I'm going to ask you about 100 crisis questions. All I need you to say is yes or no. Do you have a friend there with you that can answer if you can't answer yes or no? And I did happen to have a very good friend that happened to be visiting that day. And when she was done, she told my friend, who also has her counseling degree, she is in the most severe crisis mode we have seen. We have not seen anybody that's been hit that many angles Mm -hmm. at the same time. Not all at once. We've seen every one of her crisis, but not seven at once. And that's when the cancer developed, because I think my entire body shut down, like everything shut down. And I just never thought I'd be sitting here doing an interview right now or write another book and or write a children's book. And I was like, God, I, I'm in survival mode. And I could not see past one minute at a time at all, ever. You know, and then there'd be people that would... Um, say, oh, we know who you are and we just want to come serve you. And then they go, would you mind if I put a picture of me serving you on Instagram? I'd be like, what? (laughs) Yes, I do mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even put myself on Instagram. I minister to others on Instagram. Like it was just so interesting how people wanted to capitalize on serving me while I was suffering because of the following I had. I remember going, wow, this is crazy. I've never, my brain's never wrapped around networking like that. Right. And so it was, The whole thing was just like I was in a nightmare.
0: And I love how you brought up David because I, during the time when I I remember, you know, thinking, okay, God, you asked us to adopt these kids and this is hard. Like, this is like how you knew that all these hard things were going to be happening and you still like put it on my heart. And I remember just like you were talking about with David, it's like when you read the Psalms, he is mad at God. He is questioning God, but oh, he's yeah. still turning to God. And that's what I like It came back it was, to. It came back to like, just keep turning to me. Even if you're angry at the moment, just keep turning to amen. me. Amen.
2: And that is exactly what God showed me. And what I had to learn what, um, is a lot of people are curious when you're going through a crisis. I would like to talk to anybody listening, going mm-hmm. through a crisis. Right now, um, people will come uh, to comfort you, but they're really curious and yeah. they want what happened when this happened with your husband, or what this, so that you know they want to know. And I'm going to encourage you that are listening right now, as an older, wiser woman at 60 years old, that has now survived all those crises. And it's not that everything's back to what it should be, but I am stronger than I've ever been in my life, and anchored in more joy and peace than I've ever known, and the wisdom I've gotten squeezed out of this survival crisis you know tsunami um, has you'll see in this book you'll see it in this book but what I want to say is politely say would you mind if I don't relive it Mm -hmm. and make sure you say it like that that way they are awakened to how cruel curiosity actually is that because that's a good point. capacity is very different than caring. Because someone that cares for you, if you're listening right now and you're going through a crisis, they're never going to ask you curious questions. They're going to say, "What can I do?" Mm-hmm. And that should be the only thing we say when we walk someone through a crisis. And secondly, I'm going to say you're going to have to block, delete, and move away from anybody that adds more to you when you're the lifeguard that's on your back trying to survive the arctic water that could kill you in a minute you need to have a few faithful even if it's just one or none before you'd have those that are not at all contributing to your mental physical or spiritual well-being
0: and so good and you know the chapters in the book talk about you know beyond betrayal beyond forgiveness beyond shattered and the things that I found myself underlining were your because you've lived through it um you said you know process with the right people oh set healthy never- boundaries get real with God I mean I'm, I'm underlining I'm circling these things good. because that's what you get out of someone who is from you know the wisdom you get from someone who has walked through the hard stuff and that's what we need when we're going through the hard things and i
2: think that um in those moments that you can breathe for a second man just ride with it just ride it because you will have moments where you know you'll be with the right person or god will send that refreshment or you have a minute you can breathe and i think that makes a huge difference and and What I had to learn is I'm going to get healed a lot faster by crying, in other words, tears over talking, Mm -hmm. because if I keep repeating the enemy's works, I keep reliving the enemy's works. And I want to teach you one other thing is do not analyze insanity. You'll go insane. Do not analyze people's insanity and crazy, cruel things that they do. And that goes for today. Now, anything even around the world, don't try to, analyze. why would they do that? Who did that? Who, you know, how evil that is. Don't put your energy there ask God for a higher perspective with this book. I'm going to say, um, it was the most fun book I ever wrote, ironically, and the reason why is I decided. To, if I don't know if you noticed this, honey, but I decided to make every chapter like you read a movie script. Did you notice?
0: Oh, let me. I didn't, but now that you're yeah. saying it, you know, yeah, they were really
2: engaging stories, right? And they they, they were
0: all, very oh, engaging stories. Yeah. Yes, and my
2: even my kids who aren't, you know, they I'm mom, you know, they love me as mom, but my they both were like, this is the best book you have ever written. I can't even wait to read it. And that's for your kids to say, that's a big deal. And, um, I was, I really decided that I would take true stories of several different friends. Only three of them in here are mine. And, um, and mine were very interesting stories, but, but the other ones were more interesting. And I just, the stories that I heard. So I asked them if I could take the basis of their stories and then be a movie writer. So I took true stories and I was able to write them in a very fiction movie type script. And it's been very enjoyable to have the pre-reads of people saying, I have never read such engaging stories. Because God gave me an ability to take you to a higher ground and, and write it into that context of like you're watching a movie God produced. Yeah. As mm-hmm. opposed to just this factual, here's what you walk through. You know, and, and there's a lot of humor mixed through it and a lot of God moments and a lot of cheer moments. And it was just fun because everybody's been saying, I love what it takes.
0: It's like I'm reading seven novels. You know, they love it. And and now that you think about it, because I sat down and I usually I mean, I always try to prepare, prepare for my uh, interviews and I read half the book in one sitting, which I never do that. Like, so that is telling you right there. <laughs>
2: okay wow if you have seven kids that's the ultimate compliment yeah, i have lots I love- of kids at
0: home, lots of kids running around and i'm sitting there reading and reading and reading but now that you say it, it's because it is that you read these stories but but it's not only engaging story this is the truth and the wisdom that comes out after it
2: yes and you know Can we share the story about the white picket fence? Because most people think the white picket fence represents the dreams that we have in
0: America. So The question I wrote down is you talk about the origin of the white picket fence. Please share it with us because I had no idea. Yeah, that was in my notes. You know what? Here's something so wild.
2: I wrote the book with Beyond the White Picket Fence, thinking the dream, right? The American dream. Right. But like you're going to adopt all these kids and it's going to go perfect and they're going to be so appreciative because you pulled them out of a bad thing. And every day they're going to praise you. You know how you have these images. Right. But that has nothing to do with what big offense. And a general in the army shared this with me and I about flipped out. So I looked up says most people I'll just read it from the book. Most people don't know the story behind the white picket fence. It was not created to represent the dream life as it is known today. On the contrary, its origin was birthed from pain, sacrifice that contributed to the war effort in World War Two. During the 1940s, our military was running out of ammunition. In order to keep up the good fight, Americans dismantled their rod iron fences and gave them to the military for ammunition. The iron fences then were melted down and formed for our soldiers to use and this to defeat our enemy. Now what's interesting about that is then they put up, once the family dismantled their iron fence, they put up a white picket fence to replace it. The white picket fence soon became known as we represent the people who would give up what was surrounded around their home to fight for the freedom of our country. Mm. Isn't it amazing what we can do when we have the right ammunition to fight for the things actually worth fighting for.
0: I love that, I love that so much.
2: I did too. And what's fun is I didn't learn that till after the book was written. How fun
0: is that? Did you already have the title? Yes! Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's just because when yeah. I read that, and I, I write World War II historical novels, I did not know that, and so that was so eye opening. And it is—it's that picture of either like we think the White and Fence is—you have everything together, and your life is perfect. It's like no, you're willing to sacrifice. um you? Yeah. Right. Right. And also, what what God? Here's a few little things
2: that at the end of each of these movie little manuscripts, I give you. What can I do? What? what can I do? And like, you know, with betray, I just, it was fun. Like, Give yourself, like you and I are talking about, the freedom to be real. Like you're saying, hey, mm-hmm. this is hard. I've adopted seven kids and they need healing and I need healing from what they've done to me, right? right. So in your case, you you know, give yourself the freedom to be real and get healed. Process with the right people. You and I talked about that. And exchange bitterness for a better outcome because revenge only feels good for the moment. But a right reaction brings redemption for it lasts a lifetime. Not with the people inside yourself. You know, and I think a lot of people don't realize that um, if you're doing the right thing for a reaction of others, then that really you're putting your faith in their reaction. But Mm -hmm. if you're doing the right thing to redeem your own peace of mind, because what you really want is your own peace of mind. Because when God says you do something to obey him, you will have that peace of mind. And when you are insane. And things are going crazy and your husband's left you and your daughters and drugs and whatever else. Everybody's Everybody has a story, not everybody, but a lot of people. And eventually everybody will. But my point is it's too hard to think, Claire. So the only thing you can do is the next right thing. Yeah. One day at a time. What is the right thing today? It might be to take a nap. It might be honestly to go take a walk and cry your eyes out. It, it might be I got to find a good friend that I can process this with today. Like right now, it might be, you know, if there's a different things that God will give you, but just take one right choice at a time. And that's how I rebuilt my life. And um, I I wrote a poem. Um, I don't know if I can find it, but I can read it. It's called The Next Right Thing. If I can find it. Um, let's talk about something
0: else I'm looking for. I but, love it. I would love it. Well, what I wrote down... I think
2: a lot of people will relate to this poem,
0: but yeah. And what I wrote down is um, what's the difference between a bitter heart and a broken heart? Isn't um, that wasn't that profound? God gave that to me. That was amazing.
2: <laughs> That's why I wanted to ask mind. you about that because I'm like, that it, is so good. Yes, it blew my mind because all of a sudden God showed me um, a broken heart, God's close to the broken hearted, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of times you'll be going through pain and someone that's never gone through the pain and you're still crying because your daughter was raped or your son left you, your husband, whatever. You'll That pain is going to be there the rest of its life and certain triggers, right? It will get lessened and then it will come back. But for someone to say that means you haven't forgiven, I thought they're out of their mind. They don't know the scripture. Uh, it it means that you're, you're not bitter. Bitter is I want revenge. Mm -hmm. I want to see them dead. I want, you know, I want to get back at them. Broken heart is, man, I'm really hurt that happened to my daughter. I'm really hurt that happened to my life, or I really miss my family that I loved and invested in. That's very different. And uh, that was, has helped so many people. I can't even tell you.
0: Yeah. That I, that's another thing that really stood out to me um, when I was reading this. And another part of your story is also part of my story. And so many women that I know is the abortion as a teenager. I had an abortion when I was 15 and then had mm-hmm. a, a son when I was uh, 17. And the things you were saying, like every time something went wrong, a miscarriage or something, you would think, OK, this is because of my abortion. That was me. Exactly. That was me. Exactly.
2: Yeah. And uh, and it's not God doesn't punish us. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say something that some people may disagree with, but I don't believe God punishes sin. I believe sin has its own punishment and Mm -hmm. consequences because God sent Jesus to die for our sin. He's not like a mean guy up in the sky waiting to spank you. He loves you. And he wants to heal you. And he is with you in your shame. He is with you in your pain. That's why he came. Look at the people Jesus ministered to do personally while he walked the earth. You never saw him shame anybody.
0: No, he was compassionate.
2: Except for the people that thought they knew everything right, and judged right. everybody else.
0: We'll get back to our conversation in just a minute. But first, no one should have to walk through crisis alone. Everyone needs a friend to help you heal and find hope again. Sherry Rose Shepard, author of Beyond the White Picket Fence, is that friend. She knows what it's like to have your life torn apart. Beyond the White Picket Fence is a love letter that will help you gain an eternal perspective and provide you with survival skills. Whether you're going through divorce, betrayal, abandonment, job loss, or disease, There is a way to come through it to find an even better, stronger you. Pick up your copy of Beyond the White Picket Fence wherever books are sold. And, you know, we talked about just the graciousness and the compassion that that Christ gave to people. And I think we have to um, be compassionate on ourselves. You talk about, you know, what do I need? Maybe I need a nap or maybe I need to walk right. around the block or maybe I need to read one scripture verse and just let that yeah. sit in my it's heart.
2: True. Well, you know how like I write love letters in God's voice mm-hmm. that I'm known for that anointing. Yeah. I kept hearing the Holy Spirit whisper to me during this dark season, I love you too. I'm like, why is he saying I love you too? And then I remember walking down to the beach and crying beyond what I could cry. And he showed me to bury everything that I had loved and lived for because it's never coming back Mm. the way that it's dead, it's over. And he'll resurrect something different. But I remember saying, God, how do I get back to, how do I get back to just my love for you and your people? And, And God showed me, I want you to go back. To just you and me before you were married, before you had children, before your whole world, before you were in ministry. Take yourself back. And then I started playing the worship songs from when I was twenty-four and first got saved in the olden days and started um putting memories back in my mind, who was I yeah. before this dismantling? Who was I? You know? Um because yeah, I had a pretty horrific marriage to be honest. Yeah. Um, The whole time, the whole 25 years, it was a hard marriage. And I'm so glad that he showed me come back to your first love when it was just you and me. Don't filter it through your love for anybody else. Come back to your first love when you weren't in ministry, you weren't married, you didn't have children. Remember who you were when it was just you and me and you first got saved at 24. And I got saved, you know, in a suicide attempt and a hotel room by myself where I just said, God, do you exist? And if you do show me. And the next day uh, I went with a boyfriend to his grandparents' house and they were missionaries and they invited me to stay with them for a month while I was producing showcases for Hollywood back then. And their life intrigued me and I didn't receive Christ while I was with them, but they told me what to do if I wanted to. And when I was wanting to take my life again in a hotel room, I just said, Jesus, I've been told you're not the Son of God and that you're not real. And if I ever receive you, I would lose my family. But if you are, I want you to forgive me and I I want you to come in my life. I want you to show me you're real. And it was the first time in my life I never felt alone in the room. I could feel a presence. And when I was a little girl, I was left alone all the time, even as an eight-year-old, seven-year-old, and I was always scared to be alone. And it was the first time in my entire life after I prayed that prayer, I didn't feel alone. Mm-hmm. And God brought me back to that moment, that moment where I couldn't get enough of his presence. I couldn't get enough of praise music. I couldn't get the church enough. I couldn't get to enough conferences. Like I just, I was like this, you know, a kid that never had candy ever and just couldn't couldn't do it uh, enough. I wanted him so bad and I didn't need anybody. And he showed me the danger of putting your faith in people and even leaders that he said, I'm the love me with all your heart, all your strength. I didn't say love your husband or your children with all your heart, all your mind, your strength. I said to love them like you love yourself. And we fight to love ourselves.
0: And what I hear, you know, after everything was dismantled, everything was gone, God was there. God was there and he was bringing you back to him like that first love. And I think um, we don't want to go through hard things. (laughs) We try to make our lives as comfortable as possible. um, But hard things come. Unexpected hard things like no one expected this year. um, We we have no idea. Everyone's like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, 2020 is over. It's like, we have no idea what is to come. But no matter what comes, God is there. Absolutely.
2: And speaking of the world state right now, I would really encourage you to speak the word way more than the works of the enemy. Mm -hmm. I I could not Mm -hmm. encourage you enough to not be Satan's ambassador of delivering whatever evil, foul thing that's happening in the world. Yes, be aware. Yes, pray. But you don't want to fill your atmosphere with all that fear and news and possibilities and everything, because that is not being light and darkness. That is actually talking about the darkness. And the Bible does speak only what is edifying to the hearer. So pay attention who you let speak into your life. I personally don't watch the news on purpose. And I am very strong. I'm older, so I don't really care what people think as much. I'm very strong at saying, I'm so sorry. I've purified my heart and my mind so I can hear God's voice. So I'm going to ask that you would not talk to me about the devil's details.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, That's so good. You know, I don't have the, we don't have the news on. My kids don't even know half the stuff that's happening. And And they don't need to. They don't need to. We read the missionary stories. We're reading the Bible. We're reading about what God has done. What he's, you know. Yep. Yep. Put the praise music on loud
2: and get your mind renewed and pray for our nation. Yes. Pray for our leaders. Pray for revival. But I want to say that I know there's some dark things, but God is doing a work in the hearts of his people and local churches are becoming actual what they were meant to be. Instead of going to a box building and singing worship and giving our Sunday, say hello and go to eat. We're feeding the hungry. All church mm-hmm. tons of churches are They're having, they're getting closer to each other. There's more fellowship. You're more desperate for fellowship, you know, where, you know, you, maybe you can only meet with one person six feet apart with a mask on, but you're still in a place where you, you feel like you're, You really want God to use you and all the things we took for granted are now no longer taken for granted and especially the peace of God.
0: Yeah. And all the idols that the clothes, the fashion, the sports events, the movies now every day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all those things we don't have to turn to for comfort Um, to, you know, look a certain way, dress a certain way, go to the movies, go to the plays, do the the thing. It's it's not there. It's not there. And I think God is like, this is what you have. Are you going to stand on me or are you going to watch everything crumble? Right. And I'm telling
2: you, when God restored my joy, um, I said, God, how do I get my joy back? And he kept saying, those who sow with tears mm. will reap with songs of joy. So for a season, I had to cry every time it hurt. See, I just didn't want to go down to that despair of pain. But what those who sow with tears reap with songs of joy. Yes. So I think he's just you know, having a grateful heart, you know, there's seasons, it feels like there's, you're in so much pain. It's hard to be grateful for anything. Mm -hmm. It's hard to even see a blessing, even though, of course there always is, but that's more mind over matter speaking. And that will give you a um, grateful heart, but a broken, shattered heart. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy.
0: Oh, so beautiful. And I know so many people need to hear this today. And again, the book is Beyond the White Picket Fence, What to Do When Your Life it's Dismantled. And Sherry Rose, I know um, I've been encouraged. Your book, like I said, I read half of it in one sitting. Wow. So many people. That really touches
2: me because it's not even out in yet. I don't know when you'll be airing this, but it comes out the end of February. Yeah. And I'm pre order now. So whenever you probably are going to air that right about then. But I am just that really encourages me because the pain that that was birthed out of and to, and to know that God gave me like when I started writing and he started filling me with like these movie scripts uh, from God perspectives, I was like, huh, I'm finding a whole new writing, like a whole new writing style. Yes. Um. And because this book is so different than any book I've ever written. And, and everybody that has read it is like, Wow, this is like Nicholas Sparks stuff. Like how are you writing? Like I'm so engaged. I can't wait to see the next chapter. I can't stop. And that that really is fun. Like it's fun to hear and, you know, and I'm blessed that Karen Kingsbury endorsed the cover. That was really precious.
0: And, and I just uh, love that, you, that God is able sh- to show you this. Like, it's like, wait till you see what I have for you now. Yes. And you know,
2: and you know what I'm saying to people, and the tumors are starting to go down since mm. I've written the book. I have about 150 of them and they're all shrinking a bit, quite a bit, probably about 30% in the last wow. couple of weeks. And so I feel like something is shifting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and lots of, and, and the thing I always tell people, you know, life you don't always get the life that you wanted or the life that you even should have for how obedient you've been. But you, if you have an effective life and you have joy that isn't based on if you do or don't have a husband, if you do or not have a child, if you do or if it's not based on a person or a place or a circumstance, and it's that joy that you're like, wow, this is actually the joy of the Lord, right. like real joy. No one can take this from me or what they talk about in the Bible, the peace that passes understanding. You're like, for me to be able to breathe again and not yeah. have enough, in my belly, I literally, because I've been through so much, I'm so thankful just for that. I don't know what to do with myself. Like, I can't believe I can be still inside myself now. I don't have to be moving and shaking and in front of 10,000 people and in lines for hours and getting on airplanes, which, you know, that was a great life too. And it may come again, you know, who knows what the future holds, but now I can turn on Facebook live and have 30,000 people join me. So that's kind of fun. And that's started. I was laying sick and the Lord said, do a Facebook live and just do a little share your heart. I was like, no no I don't want to I'm too weak I'm too sick I don't want them to see me this way and the first time I turned it on 32,000 people wow I about fell out I was like I've never had even 5,000 people when I was in front of tens of thousands like it was like what just happened
0: and I think because people need that hope You know, if we can see hope when we can see that someone's going through a hard time and that God is still there, that gives us hope for whatever we're going through. And that's really what I came away with with your book. There's so many hard things, but there is hope. There is hope in God. And when our life is dismantled, God is there and he he loves us and he cares for us. And that's what we get when we when we see you and when we read these words.
2: Well, thank you, love. I want to read the closing of this book. I did one that's not a story. It's an allegory of our wedding day with Jesus. Mm. And I just like to read at the very end. God just really showed me something that I'm pretty excited about. I would love it. I put a closing prayer to Jesus because the final chapter is called beyond here and now. Mm. And I wrote a Fiction kind of allegory, paint a beautiful vision of the wedding day, what it's going to feel like when Jesus comes to get us. It came out, really, it's a God thing. And um, people just cry their eyes out when they read the end. But at the end, I take us through a prayer. Dear Jesus, I take you as my everlasting Lord and Prince, loving what I know of you and trusting to what I do not know yet. I take you, Jesus, for better or for worse for richer or for poorer, in times of sickness and in times of health, in times of joy and in times of sorrow, in times of failure and in times of triumph, in times of plenty and in times of want. Today, I give you, Jesus, all of my heart to have and to hold until you return for me or death places me in your arms. Love your princess bride who says, I do. So I took the wedding vows. Yeah. Yeah. And put them into the prince, the real prince that is coming.
0: I I need that for my wall.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I probably will create something like that because I've had a lot of people say that. And then I said, okay, we're under the eternal perspective. What Mm -hmm. can I do? And it's just like, give God a chance to do what you can't do. That's the first thing you can do. Because I think that we want peace by outcome, you know, show me what to do and I'll have peace. Show me what 2021 is going to hold and then I'll have peace. Show me this, show me that, you know, looking for a prediction, you know, from a prophet and as opposed to just, you know, all I need to know is that he's my daddy and he's got this and that's all I need to know. Yeah. Period. Because if I go deeper than that, I can't even handle analyzing everything that's going on. And then what can I do? I can love him with my whole heart. Mark Mm -hmm. 1230, you know, what does that look like? Because it says your heart your mind and your soul so some of us like me are more the whole heart but i gotta have the mind of christ right so i can love him with all my heart but if i operate off my heart and not the holy spirit and i don't have the wisdom of the word then my heart's gonna rule that's why it says and your mind and your soul and your strength so i might be loving him with one of those yeah or two of those but do i have the mind of christ am i putting all my energy into drawing closer to God or drawing closer to my friends or drawing closer to my kids. You know, I had to learn my only identity wasn't just my children needing me. They were going to grow up one day and that was my job. Mm -hmm. But for those of you that know Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram too. And our number one need is to be needed. So when I felt not needed and sick and everything fell apart, it was like God took that and did a deep surgery and showed me, I want your heart so free. That you don't need to be needed, you just want me to use you. And that really helped me to like humble myself and go, yeah, you know what? I need to not be needed. I need to need I want I need to let God use me however he chooses. And then it's just it just God description. I mean, like right now, encourage everybody, treat anybody in front of them with honor, even if they have a different opinion, different faith, different political party. It's irrelevant. Take and treat people with honor. And, and set that example. And that's one of the things we can do until we die. We can treat people with honor, no matter how different they see things. We're not called to debate their views. We're called to live a pure life in front of them, just like the missionaries that led me to the Lord. They used to say to me, Sherry Rose, I want you to preach Jesus always and only use words when necessary.
0: I love that. And that's what they did with you
2: that's the way I know they didn't they didn't like make me feel bad for my Jewish faith they didn't make me feel bad for my worldliness uh that I loved money back then I made a lot of money I was cocky and Jewish and wealthy and kind of the you know you know definitely but they never treated me that way like they treated me like a little girl that needed Jesus and um and then know the truth Mm -hmm. this is not our home this is not our home And when it's all said and done, it will be our choices, not our possession, and our compassion, not our comfort. And then the closing love letter I wrote was, Beloved, I want to reveal to you a sacred secret. Although I am God, I am also your eternal husband. I will come soon to carry you over the threshold into eternity. My desire is to lift the veil from your eyes, that you might see who you really are, my princess bride. The time is now, my beloved, to get ready for my return. I will come quickly for you, and in a moment, you will be changed. I want you to live as if there's no tomorrow. I want your heart and your mind fixed on eternity. If you will do as I request, you will be ready for me when I come. I promise you this, my child, nothing here on earth is everlasting but my love for you. Now let me dress you in humility and robe you in righteousness until I walk you down the aisle of Eternity. And the scripture is, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready.
0: Mm, I just have goosebumps all over my arms from that. And I just love how you're using the heartaches to show people the love of God and point them to God and point them to that eternal um, communion and connection with God that we're all going to experience when we're able to give ourselves fully to him.
2: Yes. And I think just really keeping perspective that, yeah, and real, keep it real. Like God, today's a really hard day. Like I remember, you know, telling my daughter, my god wants on my knees i prayed for a daughter but you gave her to me at 40 i'm too old for this she's too hard i can't do this you know i'm like crying out to god and she was standing behind me and i didn't know it and at mm. four years old she put a little hand on her hip she goes mommy i can see you're having a tough time i decide i'm gonna start obeying you <laughs> <laughs> i love that i'm thinking at first i'm like she just heard a very real raw prayer and god yeah. goes uh-huh
0: i let her hear it yeah yeah Oh wow. So. Well, I think so many people are gonna be impacted by this book. Again, the title is Beyond the White Picket Fence, What to Do When Your Life Is Dismantled. And um, Sherry Rose, where can people go to find more information about the book?
2: They can go oh man, there's so many places. I would Google it. I don't really want to plug one source because okay, I want that's to break. It's blessed. But you know, I would start with Christian books, you know, mm-hmm. a Christian bookseller, support our local people first. Um, can I close with a tiny bit of wisdom of each chapter? Just two things for them to hold on to. Absolutely. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm doing just each child. So if you're in betrayal, here's some just two little, I want to give you a little nuggets to close out with. And this is at the very end of the book too. I, I recap, but betrayal, remember revenge only feels good for a moment. Redemption is for a lifetime. Mm. Exchange bitterness for a better outcome and do the next right thing beyond forgiveness. There's a difference, like we said, between a bitter heart and a broken heart. Toxic love is not God. Remember those words. Mm. Toxic love is not God. If love makes you sick in the heart, that person is not from God that healing boundaries meaning in those seasons you must set this season you can tell certain friends i'm taking a break i I, i'm gonna have to just i can only take one day at a time beyond shattered this is when your your world is shattered a death of someone that you weren't expecting something horrible gotta let the tears fall don't turn from god tell him when you're angry and how mad you are at him he's fine with that but stay close to him no matter what you're feeling, which is what you just said earlier, which was very good that you said that and get real with God. He needs to know your guilt, your anger, your despair, your fear, everything. And don't judge yourself or others when someone is drowning in grief Mm. because unless you've been where they are. And even then, if you've been where they are, everybody reacts differently to shattering. When someone dies that you weren't expecting, a child killed something, everybody reacts differently. And everybody has a timetable of healing. And so we don't have the right to tell them when that time is up. Beyond shame. Remember, God does not remember your sin. Repentance is a gift. And there's a difference between shame and ashamed. When you've truly repented, You'll never feel shame again, but you'll always feel ashamed. Ashamed just means I recognize it was a sin. Mm. And God always gives second chances. And then on five, this one's for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> beyond motherhood,
2: beyond motherhood, and I wrote this off of a friend's story. She, she also has adopted kids and all this. She, you'd probably enjoy this chapter if you haven't got there yet. But remember that you, I know you had a dream of your seven kids, what it was going to look like. All those, right? That, there's yeah. no way. Give God back that dream. Hmm. And then filter your feelings. Remember, your feelings are very different every day. So when you're in a season of suffering, you're not always going to feel that way. Or when you're in a season of exasperation with your kids, you're not always going to feel that way. It, the season will change. And remember, every season of suffering has an expiration date. Yeah. If you hear nothing else, every season of suffering has an expiration date. And then, when it's sickness and disease, uh, I didn't write about my cancer story. I wrote about two other cancer stories: the one the uh, little girl died, and the other the one survived. And they're both God stories. But remember, all for all of us, whether you've been diagnosed with a, a disease or not, any disease, today is all you have. That's it. Yeah. This is it. This is all you know. Sickness is not God's will. But God will use it But we live in a toxic world We have toxic stress We trash God's temple You know, I mean We, we don't sleep right There's a lot of things we do to trash his temple And that death is not the end mm-hmm. It's the beginning And then beyond temptation I write about an emotional affair It's, it's pretty get a, you know, pull up your popcorn and read it. I wrote it really intense. It's fun. It was fun to write, but it was hard for me to write because it's based Mm -hmm. on a true story of mine. But that God's grace is greater than our mistake. God is not mad at you. He's with you. He wants to help you get back up again. And when you fall in, make sure you get accountability. You won't be able to stay up by yourself. And then there's so many fatherless. And so I remember you are a daughter of the king. And remember your father's faithfulness, your heavenly father's faithfulness, and having an earthly father, which I do have a good earthly father, a great one, but there's tons that don't. And that's why his princess does so well. Yeah. But, But the thing is, the flip side of that is you get to know God if you let yourself. If you don't judge God through your father's love, you get to know God as a father in ways that people that have a good father will not. You get to experience those special little things that you see that no one sees that God does for you if you really look for them. And then beyond here and now, just I can't say enough that salvation is the gift, but so is repentance. But salvation is a gift. And um, an eternal perspective is the only way to live beyond here and now and to get 30,000 feet above whatever it is that you're you're dealing with. Just to say, God, pull me up to an eternal perspective on this. Instead of continually asking God to change something, ask him to give you his perspective on it and his peace and his joy and his strength and his wisdom. Because the very thing that you're holding on so tight to that you're asking God to keep in your life could be the very thing that's killing you that he's trying to remove as a good father. So be careful not to pray in a way that you don't get to release and surrender where God, instead, I finally had to start saying this, God, reset my table however you choose. Oh, wow. Reset my table. I will not ask you anymore to restore what I lost. I will ask you to reset. And if it's some of those seats are taken by restoring what I lost, that's great. But if those seats are open for someone else to sit and walk in ministry with me or someone else to marry in my future, you reset that table
0: and i think there's so much i mean i've been ministered to so much today from your words i've been ministered to your book and i know that so many listeners i mean there's something for everyone out there thank you much so much sherry rose for being here for speaking the truth for ministering to our hearts and from sharing from the dark places because it's there where we can turn to the light of god and that's what matters turning to god's light and finding hope there amen well thank you for what you do
2: and i know that god's grace is with you and when you get to heaven one day you're going to have many people say thank you for giving to the lord just like Mm. does and your kids will be saying because you gave me a place i'm here today in heaven that is my ultimate goal right there it's happening yeah it's already done thank you so much i pray god's richest blessing on you and we'll talk soon
0: i am so thankful for sherry rose and her heart and her just desire to give hope to those who feel like their lives are dismantled and maybe that's you today uh maybe you're feeling like this is not the life i signed up for i don't understand this i hope that you found so much encouragement um so much truth in her words now, today's Walk It Up verse is the one that she mentioned, Psalm 126.5, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And I just love that idea that as our tears fall, that in the ground, in the soil, um, with the light that shines onto it, that we will see joy that will reap, that will grow. I'm currently reading Farmer Boy with my son, who is 10 years old. And we talk about in in the book, as I'm reading it, they're planting the seeds and hoeing it. And um, soon they start those little sprouts and then they harvest. And, you know, We may be in a season where the harvest can't even be imagined. Um, All you see is those seeds, those tears that are falling. But I hope today's um, show will just remind you that there is hope, that God is hope, that when we get to the end of ourselves, that we will find um, God there in ways that we never anticipated before. So let me pray for us today. Dear Heavenly Father, first of all, I thank you so much for Sherry Rose. I thank you for sustaining her through all the heartache, through all the losses, through all the pain, Lord. Um, I know that you are close to her. I know you are speaking to her heart because such truth and wisdom and love and compassion just flowed through her mouth and flowed through this book, Lord. And I thank you for being there. Continue to just bless her, Lord, to be with her and comfort her and show her, um, your good designs for her, even though they're different than she than she had ever imagined. Lord, I pray for everyone out there that is disappointed, that is hurt, that feels like their life is dismantled. And maybe like Sherry Rose is saying that they just see rubble there that they're trying to rebuild with, or maybe everything has been wiped away. Lord, I know um, it is so hard to sometimes even lift our heads to want to get out of bed to want to have any hope but I pray that in these moments of darkness that you will bring your light there and that your light will fill us in ways that it never has before. I pray for every listener that is hurting, that is worried about a loved one who is maybe going through a crisis in their marriage, who has concerns about their children, Lord I pray that glimmers of light and hope will touch their hearts today. It's a heavy topic. These are heavy things. These are hard things, Lord, but I thank you so much that we can always look to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friend, I am so thankful for you tuning in and I am so thankful that, uh, you know, whether it's a 30 minute show. Our show that you are finding truth, that you are finding hope. I'm so thankful that I could talk to these guests that they can share what God is doing in their lives. Because I know each story is going to impact the listeners um, and that gl- God may get all the glory for all of it. That is ultimate goal that we will hear these stories, we will consider change in our lives, we will open our hearts up to God more than we have ever before. So if you've been encouraged, just share this podcast with a friend, maybe you know someone who's hurting, which I think I know so many people that are hurting. I have friends that children have cancer. I have friends who have lost parents. I have friends who um, are struggling with uh, pain in their marriage. And I know that so many of them need Sherry Rose's words. So if you have friends too, just feel free to share this podcast. Let your friend know where they can listen to it. Um, It's available also on Audible, on Spotify, all the places where you find podcasts. And let your friend know that there is someone um, that can share them hope. And I know Sherry Rose's words will do that today. Thank you so much, friend, for tuning in. I pray that you'll have a blessed week and that you will turn to God even in the hard stuff.
1: Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.
0: Parents, you have to hear about this exciting free resource for kids. Have you heard about the Wycliffe Bible Translators? They're an amazing organization that advances the work of the Bible translation so people from all over the world can meet and be transformed by God through his word. Now Wycliffe Bible Translators USA has published a brand new adventure book called Katie and Mac and the Tower of Babel. In this adventure, kids can travel with Katie, Mac, and some new friends back to biblical times. There, kids discover when languages first began. Now, Katie Katie's a missionary kid whose parents serve in Bible translation with Wycliffe. Your kids can join Katie and Mac and her pet Macaw on their adventures as they learn about different languages, people, and cultures. Everything from Bible times to the world today. As they travel, Katie and Mac share about God's amazing love for them because no matter where people live or what language they speak, they all need to know that for themselves. Now you can visit Wycliffe.org slash adventure to get your copy of Katie and Mac and the Tower of Babel and check out the other free downloadable activities you can do together as a family. Use the code walk it out. That's walk it out all one word to get 25% off your order of Kate and Mac and the Tower of Babel and other products from Wycliffe Bible Translators USA.